Welcome to episode number 24 of The Putting Couch, presented by the Seymour Putter Company's tour team. I'm Jim Grundberg, along with regular co-hosts Ted Galena and Cody Hale. And today we're back with Pat O'Brien, the Seymour Global Ambassador, who helped put Seymour on the map in the early days, uh, his close association with Payne Stewart, and leading to his becoming the putting instructor for Vaughn Taylor, for Zach Johnson, and continues to instruct uh, many, many tour players based down in Dallas, Texas at Lakewood Country Club. Pat O'Brien, P-O-B as we call him, welcome to the putting couch again. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Always good to be here with you. Yes. Morning, and, P-O-B. Uh, we're, you know, we're in a period right now where a lot of people are, are, are spending time thinking about, you know, okay, where, uh, you know, how do I restart here and uh, what parts of the game can I, uh, can I put some focus on it? Of course, the putting couch, it does always come back to putting as it should, 40% of the game. And Pat, the, really the question we want to throw out today and have a discussion about is what really should golfers at each level of performance and handicap ability expect from their putting? Uh, what could they, should they be doing now from home or at the golf course to, to start on the road to improvement? So just sort of big picture stuff, Pat. Um, where, where, where do golfers stand? Do they, do they expect too much from their putting? Do, do they have unreal, unreasonable expectations? And, um, you know, I think you can go through different levels, but let's just throw it out as a general conversation. Okay. Let's see. A lot to unpack there, Jimbo. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> um, it is a time for uh, reflection, let's say, introspection. We can take it into uh, the punted realm and, and, um, you know, based on your handicap, what can you expect from it? That's a, it's a really good topic to, to cover. Um, let's start with a high handicapper. Maybe they're sitting at home thinking about their putting. And, and uh, I think the expectation ought to be to get into a good setup, make consistent contact. Therefore, you can work on your speed. So much of, of high handicappers, uh, I, I think they lose strokes on the green from three putting a bunch, whether it be from 20 feet or 30 feet or 40 feet, they certainly probably don't, if they do hit the green in regulation, um, it's probably not going to be super close to the hole. So if they can eliminate a lot of those three putts and make a lot more of their, let's say three footers and four footers, um, they're going to shave some strokes off their game really easily. So that's a good one for them. Um, Mid handicappers. I think uh, I think the same thing. I think the three putt bug probably affects them too. I'd like to hear your take on that, you guys, because you work with a bunch of them as well. Um, again, solid contact, good, good, uh, you know, solid fundamental setup, and then your speed's obviously going to get better. Um, same thing, make your three footers, and you get to the be- the better players. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, expectations it gets a little bit more into the mental side you know they're going to have more looks at birdies they're going to have more makeable putts and uh, are they trying to make them or allowing it to come to them and there's a big difference with that so same principles still apply you know you want a good setup you want good contact start the ball on the line that you think and then it gets into some of the more esoteric stuff, like are you reading the green properly, and and really are you allowing the results to come to you versus trying to go get them? That's fantastic. Going back to the high handicap, Pat. So 
you know, maybe this golfer plays once a week, you know, a couple times a week, uh, more often or less often. But um, do they do they put the time in when it comes to, you know, putting improvement? I mean, it, you know, so we mentioned that, you know, speed control is all over the place and, you know, three putts and what have you. So just starting off, what, what do you see in terms of um, are they even willing or um, aware of, of how much work they have to or could be putting in to get to that level? You know, everybody wants to hit the ball better. Everybody wants to hit the ball straighter, further, for sure. So that always takes the priority with, um, I think, pretty much any golfer. And so it's just, it's going to get to a point, I guess, for some people where maybe they're going to, they're going to keep pursuing that, or maybe they're going to say, Hey, you know what? I'm, I've been chasing this for a long time. And maybe if I just get my short game better, I can shave some strokes down. And, um, so people will come to a realization at some point that, Hey, maybe, maybe I should take a look at my putting and, and then they're going to find that it's pretty simple to become a better putter. You know, it's not super simple to hit the ball straighter or further for that matter but you can certainly make more putts and three putt less. So it's just a matter of, you know, when it's painful enough to, um, you know, if you're shooting in the high nineties, low hundreds, what if you knock 10 strokes off your game, just like that, you know, I, I think you'd feel a lot better about yourself regardless if you hit it further or straighter. Yeah, Pat, I, I was looking at something the other day and I couldn't agree more. I mean, speed is so, you know, so important for those guys, right? Uh, especially a golfer that's typically what shooting in the 90s and looking maybe to break 90 for the first time uh, or even a golfer that's, you know, more advanced. Um, you know, the I saw something for like an 18 handicap, the 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 50% make percentage was at like four or five feet. And so, you know, when we start looking at you know they're having a lot of you know maybe 20 30 40 foot putts and if they can get it into that three foot circle it's amazing how more efficient that they can become and and three putt less so you know their expectations may be to make a hundred percent of their five footers but it may not be realistic how since we have so much time well you know we've we've become a accustomed to some strange circumstances lately. And so more people have time, you know, at the house. And we've always said, hey, you know, let's do our homework at the house. And when we go to the golf course, we're better prepared. What can they do at home to to help themselves have better contact or control their tempo or improve their speed? Yeah, good question. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And and um, I'll back up for just a second. Contact, obviously, we've we talked about it. it's huge. Um, let's say somebody really wants to get their putting better, and they go to the putting green, and they hit one putt. They're going to take three balls from 30 feet, and they hit one of them on the heel, and then they flush one of them, and then they hit one of them a little bit on the bottom thin. And, and so contact's all over the face, and you get three different results. And they spend an hour doing this. They didn't get any better. So why would I want to keep working on my putting? So you go back home and you just, you, you figure out, okay, well, we, obviously we have the answer, but is there a system that I can follow that's going to put me in a good setup that's going to get me to get the putter returned to square every time with minimal effort and then my contact's going to get better. So, um, you know, that obviously that we, we all make a putter that, that helps with this to get you into a neutral setup. And of course, Cody, you have videos and I have videos and, there's plenty of information within the Seymour world to help them get better. 
And and the thing that that is so cool is it's really simple. It's so simple. You get into reasonably athletic. Your hands meet in the middle of your body. Your posture is pretty natural. You're just letting it hang, and then you take your grip and you let it swing and you don't really think about straight back straight through. You don't really think about an arc. It just sort of happens. And then you start making better contact and then you go, man, I can't wait to get to the golf course. You know, you put it on your rug or a hardwood floor or whatever. So that's where you, and then you get into the alignment piece and getting your eyes square. And I love people to work on a hardwood floor at home. Um, you have built in lines into the ground, um, one line for your ball and, can see it that your putter square with that and you can trace your eyes down that line that's huge and then one line for your feet and you can kind of go off of that so um, great place to start at home for everything and then you you know you're you're armed and ready to go to the golf course that's yeah, phenomenal I, input and and yeah ted no i think you know we putting does not have to be as difficult as people think they think it is but i think again when you look at and you're on the green and you see that 10 foot putt you know you think the circumstances of it going in should be a whole lot easier because you're much closer to the hole and when it doesn't that a bad thought comes into mind so when cody brings that stat up about you know 50 percent from four or five feet for higher handicappers i think they think you know putts from 10 to 12 feet they should be making all the time and that's hard for them to uh, understand that, you know, it's something you got to work on, you got to practice with. And like Pat, you said, you got to be more consistent in your training. And how do you do that? You just get, and I think the quick fix for a lot of these people is they just go from one putter to another. This works for about three or four rounds and all of a sudden it stops working and, and then it, let's go to something else. I mean, what I just said there kind of sounds kind of familiar out on the, on the big tour as well. So it, I think now is a good time for people to find some type of a system, like Pat says, that you can work on, become more consistent, do your homework at home. And so now when you get on the green, when we're back up and playing, we're about five, four, five, four step, four or five steps ahead of everybody. Pat, I, I have so many resources for these, for people at home, we have so many resources uh, built in to help them get better. So I would encourage them to really take advantage of that. Yeah, and, and Pat, you have a phenomenal video series. It's available at Seymour.com. It's available at your website. And, uh, you know, I would really encourage anybody to make an investment for, I think it's 10 bucks. Uh, you get a, a, an unbelievable collection of sort of um, videos that can sort of really help you get dialed into all the different things that you talked about the, the you know, the consistency and, and setup and, and posture and, 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 you know, really rhythm and, and, and stroke balance and all the things that a Seymour putter can do, all the things you can do when you practice. Um, I went out and practiced putting yesterday afternoon, actually, um, for the first time of the season and uh, spent about an hour out there and uh, was on some great putting greens. And I was really struck by, um, coming back out there and realizing the just the enormous difference in the stroke I needed to make for uphill putts, downhill putts, and then, you know, of course, side breaking putts. And, you know, just reminded me that I just, I never, I, I, I always underestimate exactly how hard it is sometimes to 
to move a ball up a hill, even on lightning fast greens. <laughs> and conversely, that same putt coming the other way, I mean, how incredibly fast they, they can be. And so in talking about that, I mean, I guess that once you get the stroke dialed in and you've got the right product and what have you, I mean, I would say that there's probably something to really getting a feel for mentally, okay, is this an uphill, is it a downhill? And understanding how, how big of a difference it is in stroke, Pat, what, what would you say about that? Uh, you're right, Jimbo. Um, here's, a, here's where the, the picture comes into play. And what I mean by that is we've all done this where let's say we have an uphill putt from 30 feet, feet and we tell ourselves that, hey, this is uphill. Um, and then so what do we do? We, we bang it away by the hole because we've interfered with, our, with the, just our, our eyes and our hands communicating with each other. Um, or it's a downhill putt. Oh, man, this is going to be fast. And then you leave it you know, six feet short because you get tentative and nervous. So um, I like to think of putting as a uh, silent movie. There's a, there's a lot of beautiful pictures, but not a lot of words associated with it. So putt, what I encourage uh, people to do is use your picture to your advantage. Uh, if, you, if you see it's uphill, see it go into the hole that you want with just maybe a little bit more speed than normal. Uh, and then conversely on a downhill putt, let's say you have a 15-footer downhill that is running at about a 13 on the stint meter. We don't get those putts too, too often. Uh, I would, I would, when I'm reading the putt and visualizing it, I'm picturing that ball creeping down the hill and barely falling over the front door. So, and then my eyes are, and my hands are going to know what to do with that image. So the more you, you stay out of the way, the less you interfere, you just see it and feel it, then uh, it's amazing what you can do, basically. That's a pretty Pat, good think, point there. Do you think creating that picture takes time for some, like, some individuals and more rounds, like, and for them to be able to picture sort of where the ball is going in? Or how, how would you help somebody sort of feel like that they, you know, when, when let's say a lot of these players just don't practice a whole lot, green reading and, and speed control can sort of go hand in hand, right? So if, if I'm not picking a high enough line or picturing a high enough line for that ball to go in, I've got to give it more speed. And if it's a left or right downhill putt, then all of a sudden, if I don't pick a high enough line and hit it with too much speed, I've got four or five, six feet coming back. So do you think that just comes with more experience or how, how do you help your students sort of see that picture better? Yeah, good question. Um, okay, so we're taking for granted, and this is why we practice really, it's why we practice at home. Um, I've got my setup, I've got my walk into the ball, I've, I know my stroke is good, I don't really have to think about that stuff too much. So then it becomes about the picture. And um and, you know, the clock method is really um, fun to play around with. So let's say I have a, a left to right putt from 15 feet that is a super big breaker. Um, if I went into a linear method, I would see a straight line to a point. Some people even pick the apex, like the high point of the break, and try to putt it to that. And I found that that doesn't quite work because you're putting to a spot that's, you know, way short of the hole. And so you focus on that too much. You might kind of micromanage the process. So, or you pick a straight line to a point, let's say four balls out. Okay, that's a big breaker. 
that's okay too. But you can really have fun with your creative brain if you start picturing the ball going in on a clock. So the entry point to that would be, let's say, um, eight o'clock or even 8.30, like a big breaking putt. So that's now the middle of the hole. So you see this high line and the ball coming off that line, entering at 8.30 with dead speed, and then you let it go. Uh, so that's where you can really have a bunch of fun using your imagination, your right brain to, um, help mitigate the speed. And, and again, it's not something you really have to think about. You just picture it and let your hands figure it out. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I can't awesome. remember. I saw there was something, uh, I guess the PJ tour put it, put it out. I can't remember who it was. Maybe you guys can help me with the name, but, uh, he was talking about sort of that instinct and just, you know, sort of, you know, more or less using his instinct, not getting caught up too on too mechanical. And he was, I think he led the tour inside 10 feet last year or something. I can't, I I'm blanking on, on the name, but he was using was it William a, Clark. That's who it was. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, right. Did you see that video? So yeah. he was sort of like, you know, using, you know, using his feet and sort of his instincts. And just like, if you're going to, if you and I are going to throw a ball, you're not going to think about all the mechanics to, for me to get it to you. You're just going to sort of, you know, feel it and let it happen. You're going, you're creating that picture. So that's I think, right. that, yeah, that, that's great information. I've got a drill that I have people do. Um, let's say, well, let's go back to that left to right putt. Let's say it's a, it's a, it's an eight o'clock putt. So it's a pretty big breaker. Okay. Um, for people at home that, that can picture six o'clock is a dead straight putt. And then eight o'clock has got a pretty big break. Nine o'clock on a left to right would be max break. So that, that would be off the charts. Um, so here's what I have people do. I have them walk into the ball, uh, horribly wrong. So I have them come into the ball and close their bodies off and they're aiming way low the hole. Okay. And then they've got to use their feet and they've got to use their imagination. They've just got to back up along that circle, back up, back up, connect to the picture until they feel like it's right and then put it. And then that really starts to get your, your, your body and your eyes and your hands all communicating with each other through that picture. And there are no words associated. So that's a fun drill. Um, we, and, and by the way, Jimbo, I, I wanted to go back to one thing too. And we've talked about this before. Um, people think they should make every putt and, and, uh, you know, especially from let's say three feet, four feet, five feet, six feet, even, uh, well, those are the people that probably watch a lot of golf on TV. And so they, they see the guys are leading the tournament. They're 58 out of 58 from inside eight feet for the week. And they go, oh, man, this is easy. So I, I think we've talked about it a bunch before. It's always good to circle back to it, though. You do not see the guys that are, that are packing up on Friday afternoon and going home. So it's, it's a little bit all your expectations should be is, did I read it correctly? Did I stay out of the way and allow myself to make a good stroke? And if that's the case, then I'm probably starting the ball online and the rest of it is just up to, you know, the, the, the fickleness of the green, let's say. So get out P of the result. PLB, that's I got a, a, a quick question. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, your players, you know, any type of handicap, it doesn't matter. Do you do something with them at the end of the round? Do they go through, is it worth them going through each hole and the number of putts or 
you just said, was it a good putt? Was it a bad putt? Is that a mental thought that you have them go through? Or is it something that, you know, post round, do you do anything post round with your guys on the putting green when it, when it, when it comes to something like that? Uh, it, it depends on the player really. Um, there are some, some guys, players, girls that are really, um, let's say in their logical brains. So they, they're really into stats and keeping track of stuff like that. And, um, and I, I encourage them to do that because I think that can help them. Um, there are some people that are a little more in their creative brains that, that if they did that, their heads would explode and they don't, they don't want to know all that stuff. So, um, but I think something that is universal is uh, a mental scorecard where, you know, you can go back and, and were you 100% committed on every putt? Did you stay out of the way or did you interfere with the process? You know, let's say you missed a three-footer on, on the fourth hole. Can you think back to that? And, oh, yeah. I No, I wasn't committed to it. I, I just, you know, I walked into it and the picture didn't look right. And I should have backed off, but I didn't and I missed it. So, you know, that's that's not a technical thing. That's that's a mental thing. So the mental scorecard, can you be committed and relaxed and get a good picture on every putt? That ought to be the goal to me for everybody. Love it. Yeah, that's that's great stuff. And Pat, so going back to that with, you know, tour players, I mean, obviously, you know, really uh, we're instrumental in coaching Zach Johnson to his uh, first major championship and, and an unbelievable Hall of Fame career. And you know, we know that at that level, as you said, uh, there's days where they don't judge their putting based on how many putts they make. You know, in, in general, um, they realize that, you know, there, there are some three and four foot putts on the PGA Tour and at any country club in America that are really, really hard putts because you just happen to be in the absolute worst part of that dial. And uh, it's a treacherous break or it's a, on, on some in, indeterminate break. And you have to pick a spot and you have to commit to it. And it very well may be wrong. And so the result could be a missed putt. And if you get caught up in the fact that it was a short putt, to your point, um, it's probably going to affect you not, you know, just going forward. So um, the great players, and, and I think that's something that, that, you know, a high handicap could benefit from equally well, which is just forget about it. Commit yourself, as you said, to the process. And in the end of the day, um, you're going to miss putts. Uh, it's just going to happen and you need to move on from it. 100%. Yep. It's, a, it, it's pretty black and white. Are you, were you calm or were you not? Was something bugging you? Or were you completely into it and relaxed? And that's really the best you can do. And I guess, you know, I mean, golfers, they, they hate to miss short putts and they love to make long putts, I guess. Right. So, you know, in, in, in overall, Pat, as a putting instructor, you know, what would be your, you know, like a great round of golf? I mean, it, yeah, maybe you miss a couple short putts, but what, what is a long putt? I mean, what's a, what's a, you know, what is a, a couple of long putts to make? When, when should you feel like, wow, that, that's great. I made a couple putts over 12 feet today or whatever. I mean, a lot of golfers won't do that. I mean, a lot of scramble groups won't do that. So um, tell us about making putts. Making putts is letting it come to you. Um, of course, you're, you're, you know, you're not going to run a table from 20 feet all day. Um, but you could. Like it is possible. Um, so, you know, don't limit yourself, but, but again, it's not about the results. It's about when I walked into the ball, did I see my line correctly? 
was I calm? Did I make a free stroke? And if I can do those things, no matter what your handicap, um, you're, you may make them, but you're, you're probably going to scare a lot too. But here's the thing. You're going to have a lot of tap-ins. And the cumulative effect of that is always good too. Because if, you, if you're grinding to two-putt and you're making four-footers all day, um, maybe they go in, but eventually you're going to use up all your mental energy. And that's going to that's going to get you towards the end of the round. Or if you're a tournament player, it's going to get you, you know, maybe the next day or the, the next day it's cumulative. So no stress. Second putts, uh, is a pretty good, um, you know, consolation prize. If you don't exactly make all of your long putts. Yeah. I think that's, you know, one of the goals, especially for high handicappers that we hear all the time is we get emails. I had zero three putts, the whole entire round and that's fantastic you know you know i've used yes. to had two or three and you know that's safe and like you talked about earlier you talked an easy way to shave strokes off your game you know i try to have two less putts per nine holes four rounds all of a sudden you know so how can i do that we'll do a little practicing at home be a little bit more consistent with your putting stroke trust it a little bit more visualize the stroke and then see what happens. And all of a sudden, you know, Pat mentions it all the time, that confidence, all of a sudden it just starts growing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And all of a sudden you become a very good putter and you're happy to walk up on that green. And now I can know I can make that 10 foot or 12 footer. Yeah, exactly. It's a great, it's a great equalizer. You're going to be in a match with a much lower handicapped player and you could, you could beat them easily because you, you putt well that day. So, hey, man, it, anything that is going to increase the enjoyment of the game, um, I think that's cool. I, getting those emails, that, that would make my day. That's awesome. Yeah. I, yeah, we all get them. <laughs> hey, Pat, I've got one kind of fun question here. So you're, you're in Texas, right? And uh, at some point in our lives, we all hear the term the Texas wedge, right? So, you know, what, at what level golfers, I mean, you know, when should they be using that putter maybe instead of another club, um, you know, on the golf course? So, uh, you know, I know there's you, know, you watch the PGA Tour and, and even shockingly, as great as they are with wedges, there's a lot of times you'll see a tour player pick a putter from quite a ways off the green. So what's your rule of thumb on that? Well, give us a story about using a putter from off the green. So I grew up in California, um, northern California, and. Uh, I had never really experienced anything called grain before until I got to Texas. So, you know, I was a pretty good chipper and I could chip off of anything. And then um, I show up in Texas and then, you know, the first time I ever experienced a chip into the grain on Bermuda, uh, it, it, it gave me nightmares. I mean, it, it really like the club sticks in the ground and the ball goes nowhere. And what in the world just happened? So then I understood why there's such a thing as a Texas wedge. And then you throw in wintertime conditions down here where the Bermuda's bare and maybe it's even a little soft and it's into the grain. That's like the trifecta of horrors. <laughs> so that's where that came from. <laughs> and don't so, be afraid to pull the putter out. You're saying it definitely would benefit a lot of golfers to pull that putter out in goodness, some yes. situations. Listen, I have a great short game. I, I'd put it up against anybody, but... In the wintertime down here, depending on the conditions, especially if it's like, let's say, a turtleback green, I am 
putting that ball every single time for sure. So that, I think that's where it came from. Winter time in Texas. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Good deal. Anything to wrap up, Ted, Cody? No, that's no. fantastic. I, hey, I have to, uh, a quick plug. I, I played my one round in the last six months, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, my, my chipping, the, the amount of practice I put in is just, you know, ridiculous. It's none. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, every time I miss the green, it's the first club that, uh, that comes across my mind to pull out is the, is the putter because I'm not, I could either leave it three feet in front of me, I could hit it over the green or I could hit a good shot. So I I'm definitely trying to pull the putter wherever possible, especially like you said, in the dormant Bermuda, it rolls just like a green sometimes. Yeah. I, growing up, I was <clears throat> growing up. I, when I, I was taught growing up, anytime you can use your putter around the green, use your putter. So that's, that's what I, I tell my kids that. So it's worked out so well for me so far, I believe. Hey, guys, fantastic, yeah, comfortable, yeah, comfortable conversation, Pat. I mean, love having you in this format, just uh, being able to tap into really one of the great minds in uh, in putting and been that way for many, many years, Pat O'Brien from Lakewood Country Club. And uh, we uh, we appreciate it, POB, and hope that uh, we can do this on a more regular basis. I always love talking to you guys anytime. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, POB. This has been the 24th episode of The Putting Couch, brought to you by the Seymour Putter Company's tour team. And uh, today we enjoyed a conversation with uh, Pat O'Brien. And uh, what golfers, uh, what are realistic expectations when it comes to putting? Hope you have enjoyed this, and uh, we will catch you next time. We appreciate you joining us. If you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you do wherever you're listening. Be sure to leave a rating and review because that's how we get the Putting Couch podcast content in front of more people. Also, take a screenshot and share it on social media and tag us at Seymour Putters or hashtag Team Seymour.